Welcome to the Brazil Institute podcast, a production of the Walter Wilson Center for Scholars. I'm your host, Bruna Santos, and in the following episodes, you will listen to a different voice. I introduce you to Talita Fernandes, who will be your host in the next five episodes on the future of Brazilian democracy. Talita is an experienced journalist who has covered Brazilian politics for more than 10, than 10 years, and she's joining us for a particular project discussing the future of democracy. This series is part of Brazil 100, a project in partnership with the Brazilian Report that explores the implications of Lula's first 100 days in office. The project's interviews, podcasts, and articles will focus on the country's key challenges and the political landscape. I invite you to visit our website and to follow us on social media to gain insight into the strategies and policies that the newly elected President Lula and his team are taking. Hello, I'm Talita Fernandes. In this last episode, we will discuss how the crisis of democracy brings different impacts on people's lives concerning misinformation in science, affecting the environment and the climate change. To help me with that, I interviewed Raoni Rajão, professor at Universidade Federal de Minas Gerais, former Brazil Institute Fellow and member of the Cabinet of the Minister of Environment of Brazil, Marina Silva. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I recommend you to go back to understand why Brazilian democracy is under threat. O Brasil não quer transformar a Amazônia num santuário da humanidade. Mas também o Brasil não quer abrir mão de que a Amazônia é um território do qual o Brasil é soberano. O que nós queremos, na verdade, é compartilhar com a ciência do mundo inteiro um estudo profundo sobre a necessidade da manutenção da Amazônia, mas distrair da riqueza da biodiversidade da Amazônia algo que possa significar a melhoria da qualidade de vida das pessoas que moram lá, que são mais de 25 milhões de pessoas. E fazendo isso, a gente vai estar garantindo que haja uma maior seguridade com relação ao planeta. Porque agora todo mundo já sabe que o planeta é redondo, que ele gira e que ele, portanto, passa em todo lugar e que ninguém escapa da destruição que a gente fizer no planeta. This audio you have just listened to is Lula's speech just after meeting Joe Biden at the White House in early February. By that time, he left Washington with a promise that the U.S. would join the Amazon Fund. Now, a couple of months later, the Biden administration has announced support of $500 million to the fund. This is a move on the two countries' forward climate change agenda and also to democracy. To help me to understand how these two topics are linked, I'll bring here parts of my conversation with Professor Raoni Rajão. How people are affected by disinformation and related to climate change and which impact uh, impacts can we observe in Brazilian society related to the topic on climate change and disinformation? Yeah, it is. This is a very good question. And, uh, and to start with, I think it's important to highlight that uh, when uh, 
the Ministry of Environment or all the institutions and universities, they run polls to understand what is the sentiment of the Brazilian population in relation to the environment and forest conservation. Actually, people are very concerned about those topics and they are very supportive of environmental policies. For instance, there is one poll in particular that asks whether uh, we should you know, develop with, uh, regardless of the environmental consequences, and and most people say no, no, we should you know be careful about that, and and should not you know uh, uh, give up environmental quality in the name of short term games, uh, 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 short term games in terms of GDP and and improvement of of welfare. So there is this widespread perspective and uh, on the country on the importance of these topics. However, when we go to the specifics and and you try to understand from the population. Uh, whether they sense that Brazil uh, is indeed in, a, in trouble in relation to those issues, that, that deforestation is a big is an issue, and 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 to what extent uh, agriculture expansion and and land speculation is part of the problem, then the situation shifts, and and the main reason for that is that. While people recognize that forest conservation is important, about half of the population, the population supporting uh, the, the, the former president, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, they, they really believe very strongly in the narrative that uh, Brazil is, has already uh, has the most sustainable agriculture in the world. Uh, and since it has two thirds of remaining native vegetations, which is true, uh, it's therefore the country that takes, that's most concerned and takes better care of its environment, which is not true. Because while Brazil has a lot of remaining forests, it's also the country that by far loses more quickly those forests. And, and so it cannot be the most sustainable in the world. It has the highest uh, you know, deforestation rates in the world at the same time. And, and for most of the population, it's hard to, to mix the two and understand the two sides of the problem. And that's why uh, uh, for, for this portion of the population, they see uh, environmental criticisms uh, or criticism from you know uh, NGOs and sometimes even academics as part of uh, a, a conspiracy to block Brazil's development, agricultural development, and uh, and this is very problematic because you know the first step to solve a problem is to recognize that there is a problem, and and that's why that's uh, one of the reasons why um, I have worked together with a group of very esteemed researchers from different universities to analyze. Uh, how controversies such as this, because, you know, from a scientific point of view, there is absolutely no question on whether Brazil needs to do a better job in terms of protecting its forests. Uh, but from the perspective of a significant uh, portion of the population, and especially in the far-wing polit politics, you have uh, voices of some, you know, uh, um, people that present themselves as top scientists, but do not play according to the rules of science and promote uh, false uh, um, controversies. And those false controversies actually stop action and create confusion and are the basis of spreading of fake news. And so I think that's indeed uh, uh, an issue that we have to, to tackle head on. Your advices on how fight this in a concrete way in the following years, which kind of policies or discussions we are supposed to have in Brazil now? Well, I think I can talk, you know, mostly from the perspective of, of a researcher here, and uh, and and I can and I think you know uh, academia and and science and journalism can can play a better role. Uh, I think first of all, scientists should you know make a stronger effort, as we you know this group of, of scientists that we have been working with are already doing in terms of not only uh, you know try to advance in the, the the frontiers of science, 
but also make sure that, uh, you know, the, the basis, you know, what is behind you, uh, it's also consolidated and also it's not, you know, crumble apart. Because, you know, most scientists are so worried about, you know, making up new discoveries that they are not really engaged in uh, uh, questioning or supporting uh, sometimes things that are obvious from a scientific point of view, or at least are consens consensual from a scientific point of view, uh, but are in the public domain, not so. And so I think we, we unfortunately will have to divide our efforts between, uh, you know, moving forward with science, but also defending uh, what has already been, been established. And, uh, and, and from, you know, a, a communication point of view, also in relation to, 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 to journalism, the mass media, etc. I think uh, we need to uh, basically improve uh, scientific literacy uh, of across the board. Uh, because one thing is someone that publishes a report or a web page on a governmental website or, or even a university or research institute website uh, or records a video on YouTube, even though that person is a scientist. But that's not per se uh, a scientific fact established in the literature, established amongst its peers. There, there are procedures to establish scientific truth. And that uh, usually comes through a process whereby a research is done, that research is presented to uh, a journal, and then it's evaluated by its peers. It goes through the peer review process. And then after a lot of changes and efforts and explanation, you have a, a reviewed and also very clear explanation of how you have reached those specific conclusions. And that is then taken up by other researchers who can either agree or disagree in public and then, for instance, send a reply or a rebuttal. And all of that is done in a very transparent way, in a very structured way. And, and, and quite often for the general population, sometimes even for journalists, uh, you know, a YouTube video or a report has the same weight as, a, as an article published in Science or Nature. And of course, they are very different in terms of effort, in terms of what they mean for advance of, of the scientific literature. So, you know, just to say that uh, in other terms, there are differences between, let's say, the gray literature, which is that, you know, more unstructured reports and, and, and communications and the actual scientific literature. And, and, and to explain that to the public, I think it's very important. It's, it's one of the ways to, to improve and, and to basically uh, separate, you know, what is more consensual within the scientific literature and what's basically some people that might be questioning that but are doing that from outside the rules of science. To finish my conversation with Professor Haoni Hajão, I also asked him, how can we find a balance between food safety and environmental protection once these two topics are usually being discussed together? Here's what he said. Uh, first of all, um, as in the case of deforestation and food production, uh, even though forest conservation is good for food production in, as a whole, we have an issue that those that earn are very few and they earn a lot of money by deforesting and those that lose are many and even though each one of those were going to lose just a little bit when you add up society as a whole become poor so you what you need here is a, is a is a government is a state that's able to maximize the welfare of the whole population because if you just leave individual actors to do whatever they want they might you know just pollute the waters because it's cheap to produce you know in, in industrial products by polluting the water than treating the water. Uh, they might just deforest whatever because it's cheaper to deforest new areas than to recover and maintain the fertility of land already recovered and, and degraded. Um, they would, you know, just do not, you know, uh, regulate their cars and just go around, you know, 
puffing smoke uh, and creating hazards around them because it's cheaper to have a car poorly maintained than to have a car spot on. So you have, you know, many cases in which uh, governments have to put the regulations in place and to take care of the welfare of the entire population. And for climate change, uh, that's definitely the case. And, and that can only be done uh, if, if we have a government which is legitimate, if you have a government which is strong, so we have a strong rule of law as well. And if, and if you have a population which is well-informed and also which is playing along, because, of course, governments as a whole, they can only push the population towards the right direction, but who walks the walk? It's, it's our individuals, you know, it's people, it's families, it's businesses. So if they, they must be uh, uh, well-involved and, and well-aware, and that's why it's something, it's, it's really something that, that must be done collectively. This was our last episode on why Brazilian democracy is under threat. Thank you, Professor Raul Raujão, to join us here. This project is planned and executed by Brazil Institute as part of Brazil 100. The coordinator is Bruno dos Santos. And production, script, and narration were done by me, Talita Fernandes. Oscar Cruz was responsible for editing and the sound effects. Thank you and see you soon. To learn more, visit our website, www.wilsoncenter.org/brazil. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>